Hello, and welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers, the podcast for those curious about the non-finance aspects or the human side of working in accounting and finance. I'm Susan Nicriazon, and while I believe there is beauty in balancing a set of financial statements, the intricacies that underpin the workings are wondrous. The real beauty for me is in working with people. The intricacies that underpin our workings are wondrous too. And not one particular combination of input or formula will ever generate the same result. Join me and my guests as we place a lens on some of these wondrous intricacies that make us unique. And as we share insights, knowledge and strategies to inspire your life beyond the numbers. I'm delighted to be joined by Rebecca McCaffrey. Rebecca, welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers. Hi, Susan. Thanks for having me on. You're so welcome. Now, over the years, Rebecca, I've had many different toppings on my toast, but I've never had maths on toast. So tell us about maths on toast. Well, Susan, maths on toast is something every family needs to serve up. So uh, they're a charity, a maths charity, who uh, are on a mission to give families and communities friendly experience of maths, you know, creative human experiences. And it's really interesting because obviously you and I are accountants, so we're quite, we always quite liked maths. We're quite good at maths. It didn't scare us. But I think as accountants, we have great opportunity to work with small charities because often they're very good at what they do. They're not so good at the admin side, so they need somebody to advise them on that side of things, which is how I got involved with Maths on Toast. And they do some great work. I mean, certainly during 2020, in normal times, they would be working in in schools, in libraries, in museums, doing fun maths activities to get children and adults involved with maths and understand that maths is not a scary thing. It's actually, it's a fun thing. It's a, it's a very useful thing. And during 2020, of course, they came into their own because they had all of these amazing activities, which they were then able to make available to people to use at home with their children. Because you think homeschooling is one thing, but homeschooling maths, ooh, that's quite frightening, isn't it? And one of the things we looked at was maths anxiety, which is, you know, it's kind of an emotional impact of maths. You know, it can scare people. People become very anxious. They you know, become frustrated with it. You know, it's very, very frightening. It's kind of a, a debilitating emotional reaction to numbers. And if you're not careful, you're going to pass that on to your children. If you think if your mother was scared of spiders or your father was scared of dogs, that does affect you in life. And we wanted to get past that and we wanted to make maths a fun family activity. So there's lots of lots of fun games. There's a developed a card game called Number Rumbler, which is great fun. So it's a great charity to work with. It was a few years ago now that I worked with them. They're still going very, very strong. And, you know, I was able to hand over my role as a treasurer to another SEMA person. So, so that was great as well. So, you know, I do think there's great opportunity for accountants to get involved with charities. And if you want to develop your 
strategic thinking, for example. You don't need to, don't need to wait till you get to the top of the business that you're working in. There'll be a small charity out there that you can go and work with and really develop your skills and experience. So I'd recommend it to anyone. Yeah, absolutely. And they need you as well. I think mm-hmm. that's the other thing, like you said at the beginning, is a lot of organisations need that skill set and mindset that an accountant can bring and can't afford it in their organisation often. So it is a great way to be involved. It is. And so rewarding. Yeah, so rewarding. Absolutely. And we know from the workplace, we've seen people with maths anxiety or numbers anxiety. And as accountants, often, I think we feel like we bring it out in people. But maybe it's It's already there. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, they do struggle with maths. And it's it's almost a um, badge of pride to say, oh, I'm no good at maths. You know, people say, okay, that's, you know. Or numbers, or don't yeah. come to me with your budget, I don't understand. Absolutely, but if, we, if we're in the workplace, money is the lifeblood of business, isn't it? Businesses are about money and about people. Absolutely. As, yeah. as is any other kind of organisation, it comes down to it, if it's a charity, needs money, otherwise it's, it's not going to operate. So yeah, there's no I mean, escaping it. No, and even in your own life, you're not going to get through life without knowing how to manage your money. Absolutely. So some of the feedback that that we used to get was from the parents and from the grandparents saying, actually, I didn't understand this before. This has helped me. Wish you'd been around years ago. So there you go. Wow, amazing. And when it comes to accountants, emotions and accountants, they're not two words we hear in a sentence together often. And if we think about it, I suppose the language of accounting it's quite emotionless as well. Absolutely. It's even if we think about the the basic ethos of being an accountant, we've got our code of ethics and our five fundamental ethical principles. And they're all very dull sounding, aren't they? Integrity, objectivity, professional competence and due care confidentiality professional behavior you know it's very austere isn't it and all right it mentions care in there do you care but that's actually about diligence that's about getting things right so this might go some way to explaining the you know the kind of very gray image that we have you know it's very and we're we're stewards right so we stand there and we guard things of course you know you and I know the reality is very different to this but we do have a little bit of an image problem we do. But it's certainly not a prerequisite to be emotionless <laughs> to work in a finance department or a finance team or be an accountant. No, not at all. Accounting can be quite black and white, can't it? Mm. You know, it, it emphasises correctness. Things are right or wrong. And we are accountable for this. And we have a reputation that we need to uphold. If our balance sheet isn't balancing. We've got to fix it. We've got to find the errors. And we've got to be very meticulous. We've got to be very consistent. And so we're unbiased, we're unemotional, we're unflappable. That's a lot of uns, isn't it? That's quite, that's quite a negative. <laughs> Unhelpful. <laughs> Unhelpful, yeah. Uncaring, you know. But, you know, this is part of what we do. We're, we're, we're logical, we're reasonable, we're objective. And, but, you know, all of this actually goes against what we are as humans because 
you know, we might be this grey suited person in the office if we're if we're in the office, which most of us aren't at the moment. But when you come home, you're a regular person. You've got a family, you've got you've got friends, you've got a life. And I think, you know, I've, I've given a lot of thought to this. And I think as accountants, we go through all of these examinations, all of these tests. You know, we have to bring together our experience, we have to prove that we can we can do the job. And so it's we've earned a toolkit. So we've got all our technical skills that we're going to use to do all these all these exciting finance things. But it's quite a heavy toolkit. It's as if we're carrying it on our backs. You know, it's heavy. It's got professional ethics in it. It's got accountability in it. It's got judgment in it. So it's 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 pulling us down. It's very useful, and we need it, and we can do all kinds of wonderful things with it. But it's a, it can be a burden, you know. But it doesn't need to be that way. So where's the balance then, Rebecca? How how do we lessen or lighten that burden? Well, I think if we consider it as, you know, think a a doctor with a doctor's bag that can help people, that can help people get better, help people understand it, or a teacher's, teacher's got a backpack as well, full of knowledge. So it's understanding that we can actually help others with our skills today's accountant is you know we talk about navigators we talk about co-pilots we talk about finance business partners so we're working with other people to create value and I think we need to see the longer term impact of what we're doing so the people skills are really really important as part of this we published a report last year called the power of people in which we looked at relationships and you know relationships in difficult times because last year was a difficult time for all of us let's face it but actually strong relationships is what will get you through so people staying in touch with their families on zoom that give you a little lift at the end of the day so we need to have authenticity in our relationships we need to have trust we need to have engagement and that's really important but actually the decisions we make and the way we communicate them which is very important for us as finance people can actually devalue those relationships and actually even destroy them. So we need to think very hard about the messaging that we're giving out and the way that we're delivering those messages. And a lot of this actually comes down to our people skills rather than our technical skills. Totally. And training to be an accountant, doing exams, from what I remember, and I'm going back to the last century now, (laughs) but there was no real emphasis on people skills. It certainly wasn't anything that was taught so where do you like okay we're people so we should have them and know them but then if we did no one would have a problem with us it's a very difficult thing to teach isn't it I think a lot of it comes down to the reputation that we have with others the people that who like to say no and so if you've got maths anxiety anyway and somebody's going to come up and wave a spreadsheet at you and say but look at this look at this run for the hills put you on the back foot won't it one thing is mentoring maybe when you get into the workplace everybody starts off in the same way no matter what discipline you come from whether you're coming from engineering or a doctor people skills are never something that have been maybe taught to you yeah it's interesting because I didn't set out to be an accountant Susan it was not it was not part of the plan wasn't a dream at all it was not the dream no 
told my 15 year old self where I'd end up um, uh, she'd have been quite surprised <laughs> so would mine <laughs> but I think because I came from um, a background of working in busy offices, working in visitor services and things like that, it was a very people-focused jobs, customer-facing jobs. And so I came into the accounting side after that. Mm. So I was already used to working in part of a business, working with others to get things done. And I think perhaps the traditional accounting route where you start off with these very transactional roles where you have got a big pile of papers and you have got to go through them so actually you probably really haven't got much time to to socialize in your office or work with others because you've got this work to get through now of course now moving forward we have robots do that so actually perhaps there is more opportunity to be working in a in a wider sense not just one person doing one one task and getting it done, but actually working with our colleagues, both inside and outside finance, to have bigger impact. And I think for the um, sustainability of the profession, this is really Im- an important thing because people have different views about what they want. Susan, you know, back in the day when you and I left school, you know, <laughs> did what you were told, really. Now people are a lot more ambitious, I think. And if you came into a job and were told right well for the first two years you're just going to be going through piles of paper and putting them into this computer okay so we don't need to do that anymore so you would get bored of that some people would get bored of that and not want to continue down that road you think this road's too long for me yeah you know oh yeah. I'll, get, I'll get on a different bus you know I'll, I'll, I'll try something different now we have um, people joining the profession who are able to immediately see the impact of what they're doing can see how this fits into the bigger picture and perhaps get involved in more value-added activities early and this is really important I think it's mm. a real motivator mm. Mm. and SEMA as a, an, an institute I know you you produce reports about people and so on but is there continuing professional development or is there an ethos of bringing people to the fore when it comes to accounting the people skills side of it and not just the technical skills side of it yes this is very important to us so we have a competency framework and you know the the people side of of business is so important to us because if you think of what a management accountant does they are accountants in business so if you're not working with the business you're not going to produce very good management accounts are you you've got to bring this stuff together you've got to collect information from across and around the business and then you have to present it back okay so again you need communication skills to do that so it's very very important to us as an institute so we've got the people skills the technical skills the business skills the digital skills it all comes together so we're you know we're we want to produce the accountant of the future who needs to be well-rounded and that sounds like a challenge it can be a challenge but you know we've got to keep thinking ahead haven't we you know the profession's changing our institute has been around since 1919 things have changed a lot in that time if you look at the, the different innovations that have come in in accounting if you, if you like the arrival of the microcomputer the arrival of excel you know we all thought oh it's the end it's the end how are we going to cope with this but no here we are we're moving on you know and we need to look to the future 
Yeah, I often wonder if accountants have changed utterly because most of the people I know that are accountants are normal human beings who can have relationships and talk to people and do work. So is it the rest of the organisation that still sees the stereotype? I think 2020 has made people realise how important finance people are to the business because the first concern of every business you know back one year ago the number one concern was cash flow okay well I'd say there was a joint number one concern safety of our people safety of the workforce so people again it boils down to people and money okay are our people safe is our cash flow safe okay so finance suddenly had a really key role to play If finance hadn't been at the table before, it certainly was now. Absolutely propelled into the foreground, really, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, I think our members have never been busier than they have been in this last year. Yeah. And so I suppose then the prioritisation of technical skills and training on technical skills and data skills and so on will often take precedence over or be prioritized ahead of developing people skills I think you're probably right and I think one of the reasons for that is that it's easier to teach those skills than it is to teach people skills because people are all different so if you're teaching people skills to people that's that's another it's another dynamic there Whereas if you're teaching people how to use a new computer system, you can teach that to a class of people. Some will take it in better than others. I think what a lot of it comes down to is that people are very different and they will have different views and anxieties and concerns around the people skills element of things. If we think about something like presentation skills, Okay, and you think about presentation skills and you think of somebody talking to a big room full of people. Actually, no, presentation skills can be you in a meeting presenting the, the, latest, the latest numbers. Okay, so it is a, there's a, a, a kind of a sliding scale there. But if you say some, to somebody, I'm going to teach you presentation skills, they will be a bit concerned it's a bit like the maths anxiety again because you think oh no I'm gonna have to talk to a big room of people and it's it's less about that more about how you get your message across how you tell the story because that's what we do we tell the story behind the numbers but teaching people skills has to be a little more tailored to the individual the difficult thing with trying to teach soft skills is that if you're teaching hard technical skills they're very, it's very easy to assess how effective you've been with that. So, for example, if I'm teaching you some amazing new way to use Excel and I'll teach you and you will then show me that you can do it and I'll say, brilliant, Susan, that's great, done. Off you go and use that in your business. Okay, that's, that's fine. Now, if we do something like presentation skills, and we teach them to a room full of people who have, you know, might have different ideas about, you know, different levels of confidence about what, about what they're learning and what they're going to have to do with it. And it comes to the end of the lesson, it comes to the end of the session, and we 
all stand there and present to each other and it's great but we've been with these people all day so we've now got a connection with them you know we've come through this this course together and we're pleased to be presenting to each other but the real test is when you have to go and do it on your own in real life with nobody there to to support you and give you a round of applause at the end because you know you generally don't get the round of applause when you present the budget in the in the big meeting you know I've got I don't know about you Susan I've never had a round of applause for my budgets I well I did one time I got a standing ovation one time when I presented the budget and accounts amazing but I I, only because no one had ever helped people see it properly and get them to understand the story behind the numbers they were just bowled over Mm. So yeah, I did, but I'd forgotten that actually. But you're right. It didn't mean that they really fully understood it either, of course, but perhaps it I allayed some of their fears and anxieties and and they started to understand why it was important for them to understand the numbers. Yeah. But we digress. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe someday, Rebecca, you'll get a standing ovation for... uh... Well, I can hope, I can hope. But I suppose then how, if if I'm an accountant listening into this today, or indeed anyone who maybe struggles with getting my message across in the workplace, how do I set myself up for success? Well, I think part of it comes down to understanding the bigger impact of what you're doing. There's that story, isn't there, about the guy sweeping the floor at NASA and they asked him what he was doing and he's I'm putting a man in space. You know, because that's, that's what we're doing. But business is not going to work without finance. You know, the organisation is going to fall apart if we don't do what we're doing. We are the lifeblood of the business. Now, we have at SEMA, we have a lot of CPD materials, resources available to our members. But you know, I think often... The interesting things are not within the finance field at all. If you read, there's a you know, manner of books available these days. Often, if you look at something that's aimed at a different field, you can learn some quite interesting lessons from that. Often, you know, it's learning by doing. If you, if you have to explain something to somebody else, that helps you learn as well because you get their response to what you're telling them and perhaps you need to adapt your delivery Perhaps your delivery is excellent and you'll get a round of applause for it. Yeah, it's checking in with people, isn't it? And the, the chances that you get it right first time are, are probably not very high. And, mm. and certainly you won't get your message across to everybody in the same way. So I think there is an onus on you as well to check in with people that they understand what you're talking about. Absolutely. So... It's quite easy just to nod and smile and you don't understand something. Yes, yes, okay. I'll I'll, I'll worry about that one later. So, yeah, we do need to check in that people are understanding things. Interestingly, the other day I noticed somebody posted on LinkedIn about a law school now offering a course on how to small talk. So a module in chit chat and networking. (laughs) (laughs) I don't believe it 
I don't oh, believe it. Honestly, and I actually, I, I looked it up and I read the newspaper article and there were several newspaper articles about this new course that, wow. that law students would now be thought how to network and chit chat. It's very interesting, isn't it? Because you'd think that lawyers would know how to talk. But then again, they like accountants. They talk in a very formal language. So perhaps they are lacking the, um, the, the chit chat element. I mean, we've I've seen courses on networking skills, of course, and these are you know some of the things that we offer to our members. But I've never seen a module in chit chat, so yeah, maybe maybe I should look into that one. HBR I think had an article this week about ensuring that you allowed time for chit chat at the beginning of your Zoom meetings to not just launch into a meeting because if you were in a meeting room. As people arrived in, you might say, how was I don't know, your day yesterday or whatever. But whereas when a meeting starts now, everybody just tends to get going. Now, I don't know how practical that is if you have 10 people and they're all trying to talk at once. It's difficult, isn't it? But I think we do need to build this kind of thing in because it's getting exhausting. You have days when you've got back-to-back Zooms. But even if it was just that you you finished the meeting 10 minutes before the hour or five minutes before the hour just to give yourself a break you know because it is it is absolutely exhausting I mean I have days when I feel like I'd never leave my chair you know it's just meeting after meeting after meeting so yeah so it's 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 tough and the other thing that you miss out on is the people just bump into in the coffee queue you know you might not have a meeting with them might not have a formal meeting so actually a lot of our interactions with our colleagues are around work which actually when you're in an office that's that's not really the case now hopefully um we're coming to an end of all of this and we will be able to spend some time at least back in the office with our colleagues but yeah it's a challenge it is and i wonder if some people will have you know they talk about kids in school perhaps going a bit backwards or not practicing their skills but i wonder for some people who maybe aren't naturally chatty will they have regressed a little as well not having to do that I think there's you know when we talk about being chatty I think there's other ways to be chatty these days so there's chatty speaking but you know you can also be I know people who are incredibly vocal on social media yet are not the most chatty in uh, speech terms people so there's there's other ways to be doing it but what it comes down to I think is making these connections with others I think that's really really important and often if we talk about telling the stories behind the numbers and if you've ever taken a walk around a factory floor or had a walk through the business and just had a little chat with the, the people actually doing the jobs you know you learn a lot more about what's going on then and they and, learn about you. Yeah. And they learn that finance is is friendly. Human and nice after and all. Helpful. And human. We're humans. We're not machines. We're not machines, but we are maybe a little wary of machines coming to take over. And I noticed in one of the reports that there's a lot of talk about data, that perhaps we're becoming data rich but knowledge poor. So we're collecting so much data that we don't even know what to do with it. 
uh, we have so much data and it's really becoming a burden. And, um, you know, the, the question is, how do you whittle it down to find what's actually useful? Because it's, it's there. You can have it if you want it. Is it actually going to tell you anything useful? Is it going to help you move forward? So we did some work with Oracle a couple of years back. And um, we found that over 50% of organizations are actually spending more time collecting data than they are analyzing it. So, yeah, it's interesting. It is. And, you know, so a lot of the data now that? is not, is, it's just the fact that it's there. It's like being a kid in a sweet shop. You want all of it because, because it's available. But that's only one part of it. How are you going to use it? How are you going to, how's it going to have impact? You know, are we are we doing enough with it? And of course, now it's it's a lot easier to gather non-financial data than it was before. And you know, talk about non-financial data, like we often call it pre-financial data because it's going to have a financial impact somewhere down the road. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but at some point it will have a financial impact. If you think about staff engagement, staff satisfaction, well, if those people aren't happy, they're going to leave. Same with your customers. People are not going to hang around. So they're not financial indicators, but they do have financial impact eventually. So, yeah, so, I mean, the data thing, there's so much out there, isn't there? And I think we get a little bit worried as accountants that our friends in IT have perhaps got more power than we have over the data. Um, but you know they're our friends they're our friends we, we i did a webinar recently with oracle and cipd so the hr professionals and it was very interesting because we all recognize that we need to to work together much more effectively we're not against each other we're all in this together well absolutely hr it and finance are using the same systems need the same information and are the backbone of any organization and how they're going to grow or support, aren't they? Yeah, but, with a with a holy trinity of business. Totally. But so is it the sledgehammer to crack a nut then? Some systems are set up to be over complex and collect data that no one has really thought through. Well, we shouldn't collect data for data's sake. No. Should we? And we get dazzled by it. And it's addictive. Mm-hmm. And we want more of it. Yeah. And I suppose we think, oh, could we have this as well? And could we know that? <laughs> what about if we were able to track this? It's about knowing what's important to your business. OK, and that's why we always talk about key performance questions. Ooh, um, instead so, of KPIs. Yeah. So you've got the KPIs, but the KPIs will fall out of the KPQs. So like how that. do I answer this question? What do I need to answer this question? And that's actually KPIs. So the idea is to focus on the question first. What what do I need to know to move my business forward? And that oh, is that's involving everybody, not obviously everybody, but it's more than just the finance person that needs to answer that question. Absolutely. Hmm. Which then gets everyone really thinking through what the business needs to manage itself in a much better joined up thinking way. And that's what we're all about. And it's, so it's really back to basics, always, Rebecca. If you can manage your basics and understand the real, the drivers, the foundations, then you can pretty much do anything. 
Don't know what I can say to that. Pulling your bathroom clothes. Yes, I think as business has become bigger and more complex, we've tended to go into our silos because we've had more work to do. It's generated more work for finance. And now we need to actually put that aside and we need to come back together again. Because now we've got these amazing systems that can do so much for us, actually frees up our time to think about what's really important to the business. Are we focusing on the right thing? Because they, no longer do we have to sit with a big pile of invoices and plug them all into a computer. We don't need to do that anymore. So what are we going to do with our free time? What are we going to do to really add value to the business? Mm. Oh, well, the first thing is weed out non-essential data collection and focus on what matters. And I think the theme of today's podcast episode is people and money. That's what it boils down to, Susan. The end of the day, people and money. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Rebecca. And if somebody would like to connect with you, how can they do that? Well, you can find me on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. It's probably the best place to find me. And yeah, and you can keep up with um, what I'm looking at there. So I've got a lot of new things coming out this year. So yeah, look out for those. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks, Susan. Thank you for listening today. And if you enjoyed our exploration of life beyond the numbers, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with others who might also be curious about their own life beyond the numbers.